Welcome to the weekly Housewives Watch. I'm Sarah Weber, the engagement manager at the Salt Lake Tribune. And today, as usual, I'm joined by TV critic Scott D. Pierce. Hi, Scott. Hey, Sarah. How's it going? Pretty good, all things considered. (laughs) This is a good episode. We had a lot happen. There's quite a bit of stuff to cover today. I'm going to say again, I sometimes find this show exhausting. It is. And this week, as a fan, I can say, like, it was a lot to keep up with. I mean, if your idea of fun is fighting with people all the time, then I can see this is great fun. For those of us who, you know, try to avoid conflict, it's, I think it's stressful, too. But I think that's fair. I think I, I don't like conflict in real life, but I enjoy it in my television. <laughs> and these women do not disappoint. Well, it's this is the strangest comparison perhaps I've made so far. But at times, you know, I'm I'm almost reminded of a game show. I mean, why do we sit there and get invested in whether somebody we don't know wins on who wants to be a millionaire or the price is right? And yet it, it can be, you know, you can get caught up in it and get tense. Why do I get caught up? And why does it make me tense when people I don't know are having horrible fights? Because you're invested now. Just last week, you said you can relate to no less than three of the housewives. Now, already you're insulting me. I'm not insulting you. I'm just pointing out things that I've said. (laughs) Pointing out things that I have actually said. But you're invested. You like, you know, these women. You, I won't say you love these women, but you are tied to them now. So watching them fight and in their defense this week, we dealt with some heavier topics than yeah. usual. So I think that's going to be a big part of it too. We knew that some of this stuff was going to come up eventually, although I didn't, I have to say I'm surprised at how it went. Same. Yeah. I think when we found out that it was going to be a racially diverse cast, that was exciting for a lot of reasons, but I think it also became immediately apparent that that fact would be a point of conflict on the show. And just when you, you know, the housewives are kind of a little time capsule of their city and their time. And it makes sense to me that after everything that happened this summer and even before this summer, but especially after this summer, it's timely, if anything. But I never, I never anticipated that the person who five episodes in would essentially stand accused of being a racist would be the only black member of the cast. That was a surprise, yeah. Particularly because she stands accused of being a racist toward other black people. Yes, this is... Uh, This is new for me. I'm sure it's not new for a lot of people, but yeah, it's not what I was expecting. On that note, let's, let's dive in. So what happened? Well, and, and I guess I'll just say these, we're recounting judgments made by other people. We're not making them ourselves here because, you know, despite what opinions we have, I don't, I don't know that what, what I have to say is all that important in, in this topic, but in the midst of, you know, the continuation of the alleged Met Gala luncheon brawl, um, Jen brings out that at some point earlier, Mary has said that if she goes to a 7-Eleven 
and there are black people out front, she goes to a different, or black people there, she goes to a different 7-Eleven. And that she equates convenience stores, particularly convenience stores with black people at them with violence. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I, I mean, I will say that if one of the white cast members had said that, we would be jumping all over them. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think it's um, that's not that's not a good statement to make, Mary. And and Jen is unhappy about this because Jen, who's Polynesian, mm-hmm. is married to a black man and thus has black children. And, you know, much of her family is black and she's highly offended by this. She's also unhappy that Mary used terms like ghetto and hoodlum, you know, sort of thrown at her, um, which she says are terms used to make people less than and basically bigoted. And um, the one the one really telling comment, I thought, was that when Jen recounts this, uh, let me back up for a second. Mary admits she said this. This, this is not a, a she said, she said. This is, they both agree that Mary said this. She, she admits to it and does not apologize for it. Um, uh, when Jen talks to her husband, uh, University of Utah assistant football coach Sharif Shah, who is black, um, he says uh, interracial issues are real. There are black folks that don't like other black folks and say racist comments all the time. Um, so we have that. And then at the very end of the episode, um, when Mary is eating with Heather, um, Mary comes up with the theory that the reason Jen doesn't like her is because she's jealous and especially jealous of her possessions. Which, that was a big jump, yeah. As an aside, I will only say we've seen Jen's house and we've seen Mary's house and Jen's house is a lot bigger and from what we've seen, um, a lot more tastefully decorated. Is that, is yeah, that diplomatically? Yes. Am, I, am <laughs> I saying that diplomatically? Um, yeah, and I don't even think you need to be diplomatic about that. Like the, the jealousy argument makes absolutely no sense to me because um, Jen is not wanting for money. And I think what stuck out to me from both of those instances, which did kind of sandwich the episode, we had it right at the beginning and then right at the end. One of the most prominent things that stuck out to me from this episode was how these two women spoke to their husbands and how their husbands responded. I don't think it could have been any more different. I mean, Jen, who is, when she's with the women, she's loud and aggressive and she stands up for herself and she lashes out and Mary is, you know, a little bit more subdued. I wouldn't say she's quiet by any means, but like, then they both go home to their husbands and Jen is clearly very upset and rightfully so. And the way coach Shaw speaks to her to me was just so nice. Like, and also like, a little bit sad that this this guy's having to tell his wife like hey this is just this is kind of normal like this is a fact there yeah. are people who are racist against their own community and 
just watching him calm her down like that, it was so sad and so sweet. And then watching at the end of the episode, Mary talk to her husband and Mary getting upset because she thinks Jen is jealous of her possessions. It was a total, it's just a real dichotomy of how they speak. And then Robert Sr. kind of takes this opposite approach from Coach Shaw, where instead of comforting her, he kind of like feeds into the frustration and anger and says, you know, we just don't need that. They're jealous you know, echoing her thoughts. It was very strange to see. Yeah, yeah. And 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 the thing about the jealousy, um, which brings us back to racism, um, is that Mary says of Jen, she is triggered by what I have. I feel like she's not used to it because of my color. Mm-hmm. And you can see the astonishment on Heather's face when she says that and she goes, like it's a black thing and you know she says what is mary even saying what does being black have to do with jen's jealousy over her chanel purses mm-hmm. um and it also i don't know it's i it's hard to disagree with uh with mary when she says that jen doesn't like her um clearly they don't like each other but i that's true but i never at least from what we've seen on tv it didn't ever really occurred to me that that it was a racial thing no and I think that's where this in this season particular I don't remember it being this prominent in other seasons I can recall of Real Housewives there's a lot of like back footage almost like we're bringing in drama from before the cameras were on there's a couple quotes that Jen takes from Mary that we don't actually see. And I'm not calling them into question. I'm just saying that it's interesting because her, Jen and Mary's conflict seems to be farther reaching than we will know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Although I was, uh, I did just uh, spend a little time on Twitter um, to back up to something considerably more silly. Uh, If we go back to Odergate, um, uh, when Jen says that the day that um, Mary told her that she smelled like hospital, um, Jen hadn't actually been to the hospital that day. She She said that she had planned to go and Mary knew she planned to go and, uh, but plans had changed so that when Mary was doing her whole gaggy thing and um, said that Jen smelled like hospital, according to Jen, Mary was just being mean. So um, I'm a little tired of talking about Odorgate, but <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, there's stuff going on here that has nothing to do with what they're telling us is going on. Yeah, the Mary-Jen drama has evolved, obviously, from something we thought was minor, but might be kind of meaner than we had thought to something that's like incredibly problematic and offensive and deeply hurtful. And I think I'm allowed to choose sides. I think I'm allowed to do that. And right now, Mary is just not my favorite. I don't, the way she like speaks to her own staff, the way she speaks to other people, the way she speaks to the women in the group, it's not doing anything for me. Well, there are times during this episode when I thought, 
you know, I don't know if the producers like her either. Mm-hmm. Because not only do we edit in the part where she wants, not only does she have her housekeeper bring her food on a tray, but she can't actually page the woman herself. She tells her husband to page the housekeeper to bring her food on a tray. And mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, this is not the way normal people live. This this is not a good look. Um, no, and, it's, it, and it really didn't have anything to do with anything except that it reflected, I thought, badly on Mary. It did. And, and then, you know, during the fight, during the Met Gala luncheon, um, Mary essentially lies. Um, you know, there's... Uh, uh, Jen accurately says... Well, you told me, you told all of us to open up about it, and I did, and now you're attacking me. And Mary says something to the fact, you know, she goes, well, I didn't know we weren't going to comment and so on and so forth. And the producers immediately show us a clip from earlier during that dinner of her saying exactly that. That is my favorite little, like, touch of spice that the producers have on this show is that they can literally just flash back in this case to like mere moments ago. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I think you're right. I don't think the producers are big on Mary either. I think and she's I mean, established it, as somewhat of a villain. And, and, and during that dinner, you know, it, it wasn't just that um, we see her be truly obnoxious to Heather. I yes. mean, Heather is trying to interject and out of the blue, all of a sudden, Mary is calling her two-faced and, and shutting her down immediately when, again, Heather is accurately reflecting what has happened. Yeah. Um, Heather, to, as an aside, there are times when I almost think Heather is too nice because we got to the end of the episode and I'm like, you're going out to eat with this woman who called you two-faced? I don't think I'd do that. I know. Um, and she also completely condescended to Whitney. Whitney was trying to be a, a peacemaker and calm the waters a little bit. And she goes, you know, well, you're, you're 30. So it's like, you're too young for me to pay attention to her. First of all, she was 33 when this happened. Mm-hmm. But, you know. I need that because of your article. Yeah. It's, uh, but it, it was, Mary did not come off well in this episode you know, we got to the point at the end where, again, Heather, who I, I'm surprised by this because when the first episode, I thought she was just loud and opinionated and so on and so forth. But she seems to have more compassion than most. Um, you know, she she sort of pours her heart out to Mary, pours her heart out to Heather, you know, how tough it's been with the whole thing with marrying her step grandfather and all that kind of stuff. I don't think it excuses some of the behavior. I think it explains mm-hmm. some of the behavior. I mean, the the biggest lie, which I don't even think she recognizes as a lie, the biggest lie in the whole episode was Mary and then her husband joining in saying they don't care what people think. Clearly they care what people think. Clearly. Clearly they're unhappy about, you know, the whole she's having sex with her grandfather comment sort of thing, which, which, you know, again, I'm not defending Jen saying it. Um, No, of course not. But Mary is going to have some real 
reckoning to do with like what happened in this episode, I think, particularly when you put it into context of like what's happening in other franchises with race. Um, We've seen it in Potomac since the first season where Potomac is, I believe it was the first franchise to be entirely black and biracial women in the cast. And from season one, there's been conflict about you know, what words can we use? And ghetto and hoodlum are not among them, you know? And then you go to Atlanta where we're gonna see Portia this season, I think I've mentioned this before, get arrested for protesting for racial justice, I think twice this past summer. And Bravo released an entire special this summer about the racial justice movement. So I am interested to see if Mary kind of, how she responds after the episode airs. Right. Because I think she has gotten from other housewives, which before this week I felt a little bit bad for, um, other housewives in different cities are not kind to her. (laughs) She has been called the weird one by a few different women across the States. (laughs) But I I don't know. I think there's forgiveness for like different relationships with family and strange behavior at parties and crazy clothes. Like there's forgiveness for that. But I I am interested to see how she responds to this episode after it airs. And if she well, has any clarifications to make or apologies or if she's going to double down on it and say, I really don't like 7-Elevens. Like... With black people up front. black people in front of them, yeah. Which is just a wild, terrible thing to say. Like, I, I was, I was kind of shocked. Um, I mean, we've talked about this before, and and in my snottier moments, I question why anyone would want to go on this show. <laughs> um, uh, that's something I cannot relate to, but. I accept that I do understand that for five of these six women who have their own businesses, this, this could be a great thing. I mean, this is, this is a lot of free advertising, essentially. Um, you know, not that we spend that much time on their businesses, but people look up and see what they do. And, I, and I'd, I'd be willing to bet that it's, uh, you know, it probably hasn't hurt any of them and it probably has helped them and will continue to help them. The one that I don't get at all is again, Mary, maybe some of her side businesses, but how does this help if you are, you know, the, if you're leading a church? I do wonder what her congregation would say about all of this, like not even just what we saw today. I'm, I'm certainly curious about what they think about this latest episode and her comments. But even before that, you and I have wondered about it out loud, like when she shows off all this money and when she's at all these crazy parties, like I just like can't help but wonder what the congregation is thinking. I mean, again, this is just me, Mm -hmm. but I personally would probably be less reluctant to put money in the collection plate if I see that the leader of the church is wearing 
to my mind, ridiculously expensive clothes and carrying ridiculously expensive purses. And, and I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that that's, where, that's what's paying, that the church is paying for this. Um, because they do have other businesses, and I'm sure, or I would assume that that the money for the clothes and so on and so forth is coming from the other businesses. Um, but but I'm at the same time, I'm not sure that that's going to matter to people who it's like, why? Well, I'm giving you money, and you've got enough money to spend. You know, your your son is buying gifts for his girlfriend that cost you know somewhere between eight nine hundred bucks and forty five hundred bucks i think yeah there's the there's the financial aspect of what does the congregation think but then also if i'm going to church i feel like i'm looking to the leader or the pastor or whatever as kind of a spiritual guide or someone to talk to and to look up to in a in some sort of way, you know, like certainly these people have personal lives and you don't need to see all of them, but I would definitely think twice, you know, next Sunday, if I had seen my pastor on TV showing a total lack of empathy for a friend's sick family member for making a pretty blatantly racist statement, I would just, I would church would be different that next week, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, you could argue that it's editing. Um, Maybe she's, maybe her mind is focused on the church 23 and a half hours a day. And we're just, you know, it's just the half hour that we're seeing, but it's not exactly the same thing, but I'm reminded of, um, Years ago, there was an episode of Amazing Race where one of the contestants, who was kind of a jerk anyway, like shoved his wife. Oh, my God. And I know. It's like, you know, he, I mean, physically put his hands on her and shoved her. And um, his contention was, well, they, you know, they edited that in. And it's like, that's not, that's not the way I am most of the time. And my response was, if you didn't do it, they couldn't edit, edit it into the episode. No. Yeah. Um, People like to rely on that excuse a lot, especially the people who are in the reality television show. Right. But to a certain extent, yes. Can producers remove context? Sure. They can't fake things. Like they cannot put words in your mouth. They can't edit, you know, physical behavior that much. Like there's just going to be, I'm interested to see what the Twitter reactions are going to be from the women in particular this week. I will say that I'll dispute that only on one case because I know that it happened. A number of years ago, um, a guy from Utah was ended up being chosen on The Bachelorette. And in one scene, he said something about his, when they went for the family visit, his parents weren't there because I think they were on a mission in Europe or something. And the producers actually looped his dialogue to take out what he had said and put something else in instead. Oh, that's so. I know it's terrible. Remember that bachelor viewers it's, it's the phoniest of phony reality shows. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'm not aware that that's ever happened on, on real housewives, but I, I just, I feel the need to just point out to people that sometimes on reality, on reality, quote unquote shows, Mm -hmm. producers actually do change what people say. That's interesting. Okay, I stand corrected. I think from this, I've seen mostly criticism about a lack of context in editing. 
And that's to be expected, you know, yeah. each episode spans over days at a time. We can't see absolutely everything that happens. But the last thing I'll say about Mary, so we don't spend our whole thing talking about her, is I could save this for the predictions part at the end, but I'll do it now. I would not be surprised if she were a one-season housewife. She is increasingly striking me as such. And here's why. She creates a lot of drama, but it's not, she's not the interesting part of it. She is kind of this like frustrating catalyst for Mm -hmm. arguments, but then she wants to disassociate and she wants to pretend it didn't happen or that it's not that big of a deal. And, you know, with the exception of that dinner at Provisions with Heather at the end of the episode, you don't see her interact very well with the other women. She and Meredith tried in like episode two, I think, with that dinner they had. But it's just not the same. You watch the other women, and even if they haven't known each other for long before the show started, you see this level of interaction that's at least comfortable. Mary, I have not seen that yet. She still yeah. seems very stiff and standoffish. And while she certainly causes drama, she is not like an interesting part of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. Obviously, we're far away from that. But that would be like a main prediction I have. I don't know if we'll see her next season. I would say that probably the most I mean, this, this is, uh, the discussion of race is not, is not obviously singular to Utah. I mean, this is kind of a weird way to get into it, but that sort of thing. I thought the most singularly Utah part of the show uh, involved Heather and her daughters. And I know there's been a good deal of criticism that the show doesn't reflect actual members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, uh and when I interviewed her, Whitney made the point that there are no like temple recommend holding members on this show. But um, Heather, at the same time, um, Heather talks about how things changed for her in her ward when she got divorced, that her girls were no longer being invited to the same parties and they were left out of the, you know, the activities that the families had done. and and. Um, I'm not for a moment suggesting that every member of every LDS ward in Utah acts like this, but from personal experience and from a lot of people that I've talked to, when you're divorced, it changes. Wow. And it's, I do not doubt what she said about, um, you know, feeling like she was treated differently. Mm Mm-hmm. That is going to, I think, for people who aren't from here, that I think that is probably going to be something that, that's going to make them sort of sit up and take notice. Yeah, and I am, I am worried that many of the Mormon mom influencers I went off about last week are going to have something to say about that. And if I were friends with any of them, I feel like my advice would be to just like take us take a step back like it it might have initially seemed like an attack on the church but I don't think it is like I think in any kind of community when there's a divorce it's not right 
but there is this like shift where people tend to get excluded. Like I know my mom talked about it a lot. We were never members of the LDS church, but we were Catholic growing up and it was the same thing where this just happens and it's not great and it's not an attack on the local faith. No, I don't think, I didn't get that. Eye-opening, like it was sad and it was, I don't know, when her daughter says she like, doesn't want to go back because she's nervous about what they'll say or how people will react. Like I, I felt for her. That was sad. Yeah. I mean, she says that she uses the word judgy and basically says that she doesn't want to go back because she fears the judgment of, and what people will say because they have missed meetings. Mm -hmm. And again, that's, you know, I don't think that's an attack on the church. If anything, I, I think it ought to be like, in some ways, a wake-up call. Totally. That's what I would look at it as, is like, oh, this is a good reminder for me, like literally me, Sarah, to like, if someone I know is going through something like this, just to make that extra effort to say like, hey, what do you need? Hey, how can I help? Like, how can I make things feel not as like your entire world has shifted, you know? Well, and I I don't... I honestly don't, I think most of it, not only is it unintentional, but I don't even think people are aware they're doing it. It's like, we don't, hmm, I don't know quite what to do with Heather here who's gotten a divorce. And the easiest way to deal with it is to not deal with it. Mm -hmm. And then you get left out and so on and so on. I mean, the part about not inviting daughters to parties, that's kind of awful. Yeah, Um, that's clearly intentional and is bad. Those people should feel bad because her daughters yeah. seem like super cool girls. <laughs> yeah. But some of the other stuff I think is, it's, it's not as, it's, I don't think it's intentional. I think it's avoidance more than anything else. Yeah. I just, the second I saw that I like, I just readied myself to scroll Instagram later and get a little bit upset with all the defensiveness that I think I'm going to see. I would not be surprised. <laughs> and I just want to like, I just want to calm everyone down and be like, it's okay for like this show to hold a little bit of a mirror up. Like that's not a horrible thing. (laughs) Right. Right. And I guess, I guess we could do some quick hits on some of these things that happened. Yes. Um, uh, We met uh, Whitney's brother, Will, when they're off doing jujitsu. I will never be mean to Whitney if I see her in real life because she will throw me around. That was um, so cool. I immediately was like, should I take jujitsu lessons? Do I want to be Whitney when I grow up? She's like three years older than me, but do I want to be? <laughs> I'm already scared of Sarah. If you know jujitsu, if you know jujitsu, I'm going to be super scared of you. Um, well, I think it would be good for us as the early arrivers to the Salt Lake Tribune office. Really <laughs> self-defense. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and as an aside, we don't do this anymore, but yes, once upon a time, Sarah and I were the first two there and it was always a little, I'm sure, I'm, I know worse for you than for me when we get there and the door was ajar. Um, not my favorite. Not my favorite. Um, but the, I, I mean, the jujitsu doesn't really amount to anything. It's more a discussion of her father who, it turns out, I, I mean, 
here's a reason to like Whitney. It turns out that she's been paying for his drug rehab and so on and so forth and supporting him and trying to get him back into it, although she's trying to make him stand on his own two feet, um, which is probably a wise choice. Um, but we also, she, we also find out about her family background. And it turns out that her father was married before and had two kids and her mother was married before and had two kids. And actually, Will is, is a half-brother. And then after her parents both ended those first marriages, they got married to each other and had two more kids, including Whitney. Mm-hmm. And when her father and mother broke up, it became, she makes a comment about it, became like his kids versus her kids. Yeah. And she says to Will, do you ever dream of having like parents who would be like, and he interjects, be normal? And she says, yeah, be normal. And at the risk of sounding overly judgmental, she seems completely unaware of the irony that she had an affair with her husband while he was still married to his first wife with whom he shared three children. All right. I didn't catch that. I mean, a fair point. um, I'm reluctant to accept it as fact, but I know it is. I, I, and again, you know, I don't, I don't know everything that happens. But but those are facts that are not in dispute. Um, uh, back to Meredith and her husband. Seth comes to town. Yeah. Things are immediately tense. Seth wants her to move to Ohio where his job is. She is not interested in moving to Ohio. And, and we, hear more, we hear, I think, for the first time, really, about how hard it's been to move the family several times. I will say that the... Um, the one bit of that uh, that kind of stood out for me is when Seth said, I would move anywhere for you, which was clearly a, a total lie because yeah. he won't move back to Utah for her. No. Um, I, I just whatever else you think. I, I, like, I get it. They're trying to make it work. Whatever. But I just get this vibe from him every single time he's on camera that he's putting on an act. He just wants to be this like neglected husband who is doing all the work and traveling from here to there and wants to bring his family to Canton, Ohio or Akron, Ohio. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, to me, it just, it reads like an act on television. I mean, even if it, even if he's a hundred percent sincere, I, I guess, he wants, he wants there to be compromise in his favor. Exactly. Um, but yeah. Although my other favorite part, or, or, or I, not my other favorite, my favorite part about this was the conversation that um, uh, Lisa had with her husband, John, about it at the bowling alley at the birthday party. Because oh, pronounces Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. Um, but, but not only did I she reminded us three times. That's our that's our second big Utah, I think, moment of the show because she talks about, you know, Mormon marriage being for time and eternity and all this kind of stuff and about the, her marriage. But she also says, um, you know, all marriages go through times when you're out of sync. Um, and she says, I mean, I have thrown John's Rolex out the car window. <laughs> 
I, I can't <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, not the Rolex. And, <laughs> but, and maybe my favorite question from an off-screen producer was, you know, did you go back and find it? And she's like, yeah, they found it in a snowbank. But yeah, so so Lisa threw the Rolex out the window. Super relatable, Lisa. We all have Rolexes that can be thrown out of Porsche windows. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That was an interesting conversation, though, because Lisa continues to fascinate me with her relationship to the church. And she, on Twitter, she's always very brief. She always just says, yeah, I'm a Mormon and I like to drink tequila and, you know, whatever. And I'm like, wait, no, I need, I don't know why, but I just need to know more. Like, here you are with this successful alcohol business and then here you are talking about the eternal family and i get it mormon 2.0 whatever i just have so many questions well i would say from from what i can tell from watching tv i feel like i have a better handle on the other five women than i have on her Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it isn't i'm not saying i actually do but I, i you know i feel like I have a better feeling for who they are and where they're coming from. And I have not figured her out. No, um, that's, that's not a negative comment. I'm just saying I haven't, I haven't figured her out. Um, I'm still waiting for Brooks and, and Jen to come face to face and have a fight. Meredith's son. conflict happening. I know we saw Brooks. We got some snide remarks from him. Yes. But and, I, and they were pretty funny snide remarks. I enjoyed them. They were. And to a certain point, I do think he's he's a little bitchy, I'll say it. But I do respect him like it almost feels like he is trying to protect his mom when he says, Did she apologize? Right. You know? And that's to me that's endearing. I don't know. Yes. My yeah. my empathy and my like support is so easily won and lost by these women. It's minute by minute. <laughs> I will say that I think I, I think Heather wins the episode in terms of best comment, best quote. Because okay. when she, Let's hear it. Go. Okay. When she's dining with Mary, uh, Mary orders still water because, um, and this is a direct quote, carbonation hardens your, your ovaries. <laughs> and, and Heather's comment is carbonation affects your ovaries. That'll be a double sparkling water for me. No more kids. Thank you. (laughs) Come on. That is a great quote. She continues to be a hilarious, relatable queen on this show. I love her. But I will say there was one quote that gets close to competing with it. And it's really early. It's when we're still fighting at Walters. And Whitney goes, I came for the pasta. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, well, you love to eat, and I love that. It's just, it's so refreshing. It's so good. I mean, I'll also say that Whitney had another good one. Um, when Mary dismisses her because of her age, she goes, uh, 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 I've got to find it now. I am 30, which is a little bit of a lie. But she <laughs> says, I am 30, and you're all old as expletive and acting like you're 10 yes which just shows that yeah that's yeah. that's normal housewife behavior but <laughs> um, 
normal abnormal housewife behavior. Yeah, I thought Heather's other interesting quote, which just kind of ties to her ongoing story arc with the church, is when she's talking to Mary, and Mary, in this very sad moment, kind of is crying and saying, I didn't want to marry him. Like, it's this really jarring moment where you're like, I know we're mad at you for, like, that, the racist remark, but also this is incredibly sad. Like, you're sitting here crying, talking about how you didn't want to marry him, and here you are married to him. And Heather makes this poignant statement about choosing faith over love. Yep. That went over my head for a minute until I was, like, washing dishes, like, 20 minutes later. And I was like, oh, my God, she does know. Because back in episode one or two when she says when the producer asks her have you ever been in love and Heather like fumbles and guesses and says maybe in high school or whatever and so that was just another interesting moment in Heather's journey I think that we're gonna see a lot about and again it, it a good quote came out of it because she said she got married herself for my family and for my religion mm-hmm. the big difference is I never had to call Billy grandpa or even dad <laughs> I mean, um, Heather, to, like, make this, like, really grand comparison to another woman who she really doesn't need to be showing empathy toward because she called her two-faced. But she is, and she is making this connection and outreach and saying, I understand, but then putting this hilarious spin on it that I'm not going to call offensive because it's kind of true. <laughs> well... You know, people, and I hear from them all the time. Um, I know these people will not be listening to this podcast, but, you know, I have people emailing me and telling me that I write too much about Real Housewives. And I don't think you write enough on the other um, We'll see. <laughs> the response I want to make is, you know, you know, my boss has told me I had to do this, right? Um, and which, which is not untrue. Um, but... I also hear a lot from people that they're, these are all horrible people and they're all awful and so on and so forth. Um, I, I mean, I, I understand that some of this, a lot of this is driven by the fact they're on TV, but if somebody calls me two faced, I'm done with them. Mm. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be mean to them necessarily, but I'm also not going to talk to them. Um, it's Heather is a much nicer person than I am because she went out, not only did she go out to eat with Mary, but she has empathy for her. Mm-hmm. Now, she, being a much nicer person than I am is, again, a low bar to, you know, <laughs> to exceed. But Heather is way nicer than I am. She's good. I'm just, I'm excited to see what comes in future episodes. We didn't get to see the cowboy, which I'm heartbroken about because... We did see a tease for next week's episode. And my little Bravo heart is just like, it's beating so fast. I'm so excited. So next week is, it's Sundance in Utah, which is maybe one of the more prominent things people know about Utah, I think. At least for me, before I moved here, Sundance was like, that's what I knew about Utah. There was a big church and there was a film festival. So I think it's going to be an interesting episode. So do you, think, do you think we're going to see Heather go out with a cowboy? No, we see her go home with a guy. Oh, that's right. I forgot that. Yeah. 
I don't know what I'm interested in is, so we talked about this in one of our early episodes, the prospect of Lala Kent and Katie Maloney from Vanderpump Rules making an appearance, which will be even more interesting next week because I don't know if you saw the news, but Vanderpump Rules is effectively canceled and everyone's been fired. But we're going to see Lisa in her element as the queen of Sundance, which I still have questions about, but... I I do too. I mean, whenever I hear her say that, I think, well, this will come as a surprise to Robert Redford and the people who actually run the film festival. But I I think what she's referring to is the, the social scene, the celebrity social scene that accompanies Sundance, which is never anything... A, that has particularly interested me, or B, that they would ever let me into? So I got to, in my first year of journalism in Utah, I was assigned, I was working at a local news TV station, and I got assigned to cover parties at Sundance, which I'm just going to say was super cool. It's a very cool assignment to get from your boss. Like, hey, welcome to Utah. Go up to Sundance attend all the parties and write about him. It was fun. It was super cool. I never once saw Lisa's name. I didn't see I didn't see her from what I can recall. Maybe I was at the wrong parties. It's a good, there there is a good chance of that because like to be fair, I I'm not unaware of the fact that there are parties exclusive enough to not include like local right web managers from tv stations <laughs> but um yeah no i'm excited to see it and it's going to be weird to watch it so close to sundance knowing that sundance is going to be so different this year yeah but. yeah i mean we're there's I, by going online you it'll well going online i was going to say you still do the films but you can't do the social scene, but on the other hand, it'll be interesting to see if they try. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Okay, well, yeah, so my predictions for next week are mainly, I don't even think I have any predictions. I'm just really looking forward to finding out who this guy is for Heather, because I've become very protective of this woman I don't know. And that's it. I'm interested to see what the fallout from this week is. And I don't, I I kind of think uh, it's not really a prediction. I wonder how much of it we'll see in the next episode, but I don't think we're done with it. Oh, I I think, I think it's gonna, it's gonna resonate through other episodes. I think it's become clear that Mary and Jen are just, it's not going to work out. I mean, it's one conflict after another with these women. Well, and I, you know, finding out what we found out, here we go again, this week makes me think that Odergate was more a symptom of what had started with 7-Eleven Gate or whatever we're going to call that, mm-hmm. which clearly predated it. But yeah. it's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to another week of sitting here being hemming and hawing and stammering because I don't know what to think or what to say about some of this. It's, yeah, it's a lot. And I think we'll have more to say after seeing some of the public's reaction. Yeah, yeah. 
All right, I think that's all we've got for today. Tune in next week for another episode of Weekly Housewives Watch. And in the meantime, check out Scott's episode recaps and housewife profiles at www.sltrib.com. And be prepared for the unexpected. 